wonderful to be here. The proper thing to say would be, the snot-nosed brat is back. <laughs> I got that moniker early when I came. I think Ed gave it to me. The snot-nosed brat coming right out of college, coming to a church. God is so good to me. Brought me to a place with uh, Pastor Scott Church to be the first pastor kind of overseeing what I'm doing. And, and then to have Pastor Brian Spencer as the lead pastor in my life. Uh, so blessed. Uh, looking back now, I can see uh, what God was giving to me to prepare me to be a lead pastor someday. And uh, I'm so blessed. It's, it's, it's a privilege to be back. I just want to show you a quick picture of my family. The Jackson Five are all here today. What a privilege. You can see little Josh grew up. There's something in the water in Ortonville uh, that you didn't have because Josh now towers over all of us. And I echo what Pastor Church said. Thank you for being a praying church. Thank you for praying my kids up. You had them here from birth, each one of them, and you had a big impact in their life. We thank you for that, that you're a praying church. Even today coming in, some of you are still praying for my parents, hearing about their medical things, and I'm just thankful you're a praying church, faithful, a faithful people. I thank you for that. Well, our family expanded a little bit. We did add two members to our family. This is blessed and abundance. Uh, I, you know me, I, I always wore Harley clothes all the time, and thank you for letting me come and preach today. I, I get to wear a tie. I don't ever get to wear a tie unless somebody's getting married or buried. Uh, I wear Harley clothes when I preach at, at uh, Oakwood Community Church, and I enjoy that. Uh, but it's good to be back and, and wearing a tie. But you know I wore Harley stuff all the time. You need to know I still wear my Harley watch. You gave me this uh, when we were departing. It doesn't work anymore, but I wear it every Sunday. I, I, I need to go get a battery. It's all it is. I'm just too lazy. I wear it every Sunday. It's set on 12 noon, so every time I look at it, it's time to shut up and sit down. But <laughs> I, wear it, I wear it every... You, there's a little piece of you with me every time I get up and preach. I love Harleys. God bless me incredibly. Uh, out there, I was at Oakwood not too long. A gentleman asked me to come to his house. I went to his house, and he, he said, you know, pastor, you wear Harley clothes all the time. That's all you wear. Your jeans are Harley. Your boots are Harley. Your clothes are Harley. Everything's Harley Davidson. He said, but you don't have a bike. I said, I know. I'm a poser. He goes, I know. It, it really bothers some of us that you're uh, always wearing the clothes and you don't have a bike. And said, I want to fix that. I'm going to give you your first Harley. And so he gave me blessed uh, on the left and then not long after that at Christmas, Julie's dad gave me abundance, and uh, I've already wrecked that. So <laughs> had a terrible accident a year ago where I almost could have died. I slid like Superman on the pavement for 20 yards and went under a guardrail, popped up and said, wow, I won't do that again. <laughs> uh, but miraculously, God saved me and put abundance back together. So I'm a blessed man. Not only did we add abundance and blessed to the household, we added jacks. You know how much I love animals. We lived here in Battle Creek in the parsonage just on sunset and always told the kids, Caitlin begged, Emily begged, Josh wanted a puppy, and we always said we don't have room, we don't have land, or it wouldn't be a good idea, no dogs, no dogs, and I kept getting away with it until we moved, and we're on two and a half acres now, and Josh, he just is better than his sisters. He begged in a way that he got through, and we brought Jax to our family, and he's just as awful as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> He, uh, somebody told me he's a, uh, uh, he's a carpenter. He, he does odd jobs around the house. So, but we love Jax. I absolutely love Jax. And it is a privilege to be back. 
uh, when I got the invitation to come preach this morning, I, I was humbled. I'm like, I can't believe they're asking me to come and speak at the morning service. And I told my wife, I said, honey, it's an amazing thing. Calvary asked me to speak, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak at the morning service. After all the people, they could have chose to do this. And my wife is wonderfully supportive. And she said, well, did you ever think maybe everybody else turned them down? <laughs> I said, no, I hadn't until now. But whether or not I was the last option, it's just a blessing to be back with you and to see the faces that have meant so much to us over the years. Let's pray this morning and we'll open God's word together. Would you pray with me? You don't have to say this out loud, but I ask every audience I speak in front of to pray this prayer. Would you just silently say, God, if there's anything you want me to hear this morning, I'm willing to listen. Can you pray that prayer silently? God, if there's anything you want me to hear this morning, I'm willing to listen. God, may you be glorified, may the people here be edified, and may Satan be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd open your copy of the Word or turn on your gadget, we're going to Ezekiel chapter 37. And when I preach at my church, they want to know, what's the big idea, Pastor? One of the first things I have them ask me out loud as a congregation is, what's the big idea? So on the count of three, you ask me, one, two, three. The big idea this morning is that dry bones can live. God's love breathes life into hopeless situations. Do you believe this? Do you believe that God is a God who breathes life into hopeless situations? My prayer as I preach this this morning, whatever situation you're in, you'll see that there's always hope in knowing Jesus as your Savior. There's always hope when God is in your life. There's hope even in a hopeless situation. We want to honor the text this morning and do uh, due diligence to what the Word actually teaches. I think it's important for you to uh, hear the Word, and we're going to read the passage in its entirety. I will explain what's there, and then we'll make some applications to that. Uh, my church is a, a wonderful church. It was about 250 people when we got there three years ago. We've nearly doubled, gone to two services, and it's an exciting place to be. I'm almost a, a Baptist missionary in a non-denominational church. I get there and find out a lot of them love Jesus, but hadn't really learned uh, the depth of Scripture. And so for two years, we've been in what we call the Gospel Project. We're teaching the Bible from the beginning to the end in chronological order. We're, we started in Genesis, and uh, we're in the prophets. I heard you're in the prophets. And so we're teaching through the Old Testament. We're going to finish that here in about six weeks, and then we start the New Testament. And it's just a privilege to teach people the richness and depth of the Old Testament. Because God never changes. And you see a a repeating, repeating value over and over again from the beginning to the end of Scripture. God warns people. He provides salvation, but people perish. And it's a sad thing, but it's true. God always warns. He provides salvation, yet people will perish. And I'm so thankful that this church has been a faithful beacon, a lighthouse here in Battle Creek all these years, preaching the word, sharing God's love. Continue to do that, church. Be faithful to God's word. Share God's love, because dry bones can live when those two things are applied. We drove in last night. I had a workshop at our church till 8.30, but we drove in through Bellevue and came down the road because we had to get Penfield Pizza. Every time we come to town, we get Penfield Pizza. Knowing it was closed today, we actually got a hotel room so we could come get pizza and then sleep here overnight. 
And as I'm driving by Penfield High School and the schools, I'm thinking of all the ministry we had there in town, here in town, preaching the word there. I remember teaching classes as a substitute to telling teens about Jesus. We were a lighthouse to a school system. Then we drive through and see the church and what you've done is beautiful here. We went and stayed at McCamley Plaza last night and I took my son down and walked through the lobby of the Kellogg Arena and I could picture the thousands of kids lined up to get into Fright Night and how this church was faithful to pray. A lighthouse in this community from north to south. And it's God's word and God's love that makes dry bones come alive. So this morning I want to read Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, and it's time for Baptist exercise. So stand with me as we read the word again. This is the only aerobics we do. So let's stand to honor God's word as I read Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will slay, I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and the skin had covered them, and there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath. And breathe on these slain that they may live. Everybody say live. You can do better than that. Everybody say live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, and indeed we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. Everybody say live. And I will place you in your own land, and you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it declares the Lord. You may be seated. May God add his blessing to the reading of scripture. Quickly this morning, I show you a map on the screen. You need to understand the context of what's happening here. Ezekiel is one of God's prophets. At my church, we've been going over and over again, the prophets, it's actually obnoxious. I know what I'm going to preach every Sunday through the prophets. God warns, God provides salvation, people perish. Oh, Pastor Church did a marvelous job in our first session telling us 
Paul talked about passion and prayer, privilege, power, and promises. But he referred to the fact that Israel constantly disobeyed God. Israel constantly walked away. I mean, Moses goes up to get the word of the Lord on the mountain. Before he can even come down, they're doing terrible things. Israel repeatedly, cyclically would turn on God. They would turn to false gods and do despicable things. It was over and over. Every Sunday, I got to get up and talk about sin and consequences. Sin and consequences. And it gets exhausting. And, and you, you, you just want to say, Israel, get it right. You keep messing this up. God warned you. He provided a way and you blew it. And you pay the price. And then I realize, oh, God gave us the Old Testament to tell us his story. And we are a lot like his people. We turn, we go back to things and, and turn our backs on God. Or worse, we forget God. You know, Satan's not in the business of having you turn anti-God. He's not in the business of having you turn satanic. Satan is in the business of just getting you to forget God. And Israel often forgot God. And so you need to know when Ezekiel's talking, we are in the 70 years of trouble. Israel is now not a nation. Israel's been besieged. This is the exact time frame that Nebuchadnezzar has come. And he's ripped out the the kingdom and and taken kids to Babylon. and, And they're under this terrible tyranny. They're scattered. Everybody say scattered. They're not a nation anymore. And so you see on the screen what Nebuchadnezzar has done. It's hard to see the green swath, but there's like a horseshoe all the way down from southern Jerusalem up and around and back to Elam. And this is all under the Babylonian Empire. They're a lost people. They're not a free people. They're in punishment. God said, I warned, I provided salvation, but now you're going to perish. Israel, you're going to suffer the consequences for 70 years. They're dead, dried up. And scattered. But there's a question in here. When God goes to Ezekiel and he tells him to spread his word, he asks him a question. He shows Ezekiel the dry bones in the valley and he says, Son of man, let me ask you a question. Can these bones live? And I love how Ezekiel answered. He says, Oh Lord, you know. You know, the answer honestly was, No, I don't. I I think this is probably a trick question, God. Because they're dead bones. They're no longer in the sack of skin. They're just scattered dry bones. And so God says, Ezekiel, what do you see? Do you think these bones can live? And Ezekiel just goes, oh, Lord, only you know. And God says, I'm going to do something great. And that's what we love about our Lord. Grace. Everybody say grace. Everybody say mercy. Everybody say love. Even though Israel constantly, repeatedly, cyclically turned on God and worshiped false gods, God continually drew them back. And now they're suffering consequences where they're scattered and dead and dried up. And where's God? God says, I'm going to take them at the lowest point they've ever experienced, and I'm going to make them new. My question for you as a church today, as you get ready to look forward to the future, is what do you see in Battle Creek? Do you still see pitiful bones or do you see potential birth? I want you to see potential birth. 
That's what God shows us here. And to make it very clear, there's only one point in this passage from God, and that is, it even says it in this passage, he's talking about Israel here. That's the main application you need to get. There are some other applications we'll give today, but mostly, firstly, it is Israel. So the first point, there's three things that I must know that God can do. Three things I must know that God can do. Number one, God can bring the dry bones of Israel back to life. He can do it. He hasn't given up on Israel. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on your neighbor. He hasn't given up on this community. God can bring dry bones back to life, and he hadn't given up on Israel. Israel's spiritually dead and scattered. We see that here. Matter of fact, in verse 11, it's a self-assessed doom. In verse 11, this is what Israel said. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. That's their self-assessed doom. Israel knows we blew it. We're scattered. We're not a nation. We have no land. We're slaves. In my town, we've got a coffee shop called a bean to go. And the full name is actually Shadrach, Meshach, and a bean to go. I love that. Christian man owns that. It's the coffee we serve at our church. And Every time I think of these young boys being taken from their home and dragged to Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar's taking them over, I think of this captivity and loss. And I think of old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> Better Ananiah, Hezariah, Mishael, their God-given names. I think of these boys. Oh, they're in loss. Everybody say loss. They're in death. Everybody say death. They're in doom. Everybody say doom. But God's love. What you need to know today is God's word is the power to restore Israel. He says to Ezekiel, go proclaim the word of the Lord. Now listen, folks, you need to know this. This church is such a great heritage. If you missed the Sunday school hour, I hope you can watch it on Pastor Church. Got up and preached, preached a whole beautiful message, and then he sang to close. I loved it. I just melt like butter when Pastor talks. When I hear Pastor Church's voice, I go, ah, I love that. When I hear Pastor... Spencer talk, I love that. And he always sang. Well, guess what Pastor Don does in the little town in Ortonville? Almost every Sunday I break out in song. And my wife says, stop it. (laughs) I saw an older lady write on Facebook, our pastor sings to us. And I'm like, don't they all? I guess I I think that's the way all churches should be. Pastor Spencer taught us well. There's got to be a joy in your heart. So you need to know my wife told me, do not do this. Do not do it. But I just want to say, Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones, Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones, Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones. Now, oh, it's so good to be with Baptists again. <laughs> if I would have sang that at my church, they're like, huh? <laughs> oh, hear the word of the Lord. Ezekiel was told to proclaim the word of the Lord because the word of the Lord has power. And what do we see when he proclaims in this vision? He proclaims, and all of a sudden there's a rattling. Because old dry bones, when they start to come together, there's a rattling sound. And Ezekiel's watching in this vision as these dry bones start coming together. And apparently, it it was a toe bone connected to a foot bone and a foot bone. I'm not going to sing it. To an ankle bone and an ankle bone connected to a a leg bone and a leg bone connected to a a knee bone and a knee bone connected to a a thigh bone and a thigh bone connected to a a backbone and a backbone connected to a a neck bone and a neck bone connected to a head bone. Now hear the word of the Lord. I'm not going to sing it, but I love the song. You can look it up on YouTube. 
It's a great song, but Ezekiel saw it happening, the bones coming together. And then the visual, which is hard to imagine, not only did they come together, the sinews started forming and the, and the skin started coming. And even then it was, it was just a, a sack of bones. It had no life because God wanted to show Ezekiel, yeah, the word of the Lord has power, but it's the spirit that I breathe in that gives life. Life, everybody say life. And so he said to Ezekiel, you proclaim my word, the bones are coming together, the structure is there, but now you need to breathe life into, breathe the spirit into. Oh, I've had to do already my fair share of funerals in Ortonville. Young people, I've buried three people in their early 20s, drug overdoses, and to see a casket with a 20-year-old laying there with no life. You understand very clearly the doctrine of the spirit and soul. Because when you see a body with no life, you understand that it's not, there's nothing there. That's, there's no life. And so God says, breathe the spirit into them, life into them. And God promises Israel to restore them. And he does. God didn't have to do it, but he does do it because he promised he would do it. I love my people. No matter what they do to turn on me, I'm going to restore them. I'm going to do what I promised. I'm going to make them a people, even though they're dead and scattered. And God does that. Their self-assessed doom said that they were cut off. They understood they were cut off from the source. My wife has all sorts of bushes and shrubs, and a couple of weeks ago it hit 70 one day, and we got excited. We got too excited because we've hit with snow and ice since then, but we went out and I started pruning. I just, just, we have a walkway, and if you don't cut back the plants, it just overtakes it, and I'm out there just, and she, she wants to be there. She's like, stop, because, man, I'll just cut them all back. But you know what happens when you cut and I was cutting bushes and she had told me I could cut the the shrubs up front but I started cutting all the bushes like not those it's got to be seven degrees for two weeks before you can cut those and I was like I don't know I just want to cut them all and she's like but they won't grow back well I'll tell you what won't grow back is the stuff I cut off see the stuff that I cut off has no hope if I was a good husband I would have worked and taped them back on but you laugh because you know cut off means removed from the source of life. Israel has said, we've done it, we deserve it, we're cut off. We've lost our hope for life. And God says to Ezekiel, what do you see? Pitiful bones or potential birth because I bring life. That's the main point of this passage is about God and his people. But I think it's okay to, to make some inferences. And the next inference I want to make to you is number two, God can bring the dry bones of lost people back to life. See, lost people are spiritually dead and separated from God. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Without Christ, there is no life. Without Christ, there's nothing. That's why it's so important for you to understand the word that you can do nothing to earn your salvation. You're dead spiritually until God draws you through his word to real life. Till he breathes his spirit into you, you don't have spiritual life. You're like the 20-year-old in the casket. There seems to be structure, but there's no life. Until God does, you can't do. Only God can bring life. Through his word. Everybody say word. And through his love. Love. That's why I want you, Calvary, to be committed. 
continue. 75 years of being committed to the word and God's love. Don't stop. Don't ever stop. Proclaim his word. Proclaim his love because God takes dead things and he makes them new. Oh, Calvary, do you still believe that lost people can be made alive? Luke 15 tells us that lost people matter to God. Luke 15 is a triad where Jesus spoke a beautiful story. And to make his point, as a master teacher, Jesus told three stories to make one point. And they built on each other. He first told about a shepherd who lost one sheep. He had 100 sheep and he loses one. What does he do? He leaves the 99 to go to find one sheep. Because one out of 100 matter. And the people thought, I get that. Then he immediately follows up with there's a lady who doesn't have much money. She's only got 10 coins. She loses one. What does she do? She lights, lamps, sweeps, calls the neighbors over. We've got to find it because when we lose one coin out of 10, it matters. You see how Jesus is amped it up? One out of 100 matter, one out of 10 matter, and then he says, and a man had two sons. And oh, the crowd went, oh. And he tells the story of the prodigal son. All to let religious people know. Remind religious people. Lost people matter to God. Oh, Calvary, don't lose your passion for lost souls. Do you believe that God can make lost people alive? Don't ever give up hope. Our God loves lost people. He loves his people, Israel. He loves lost people. Lost people are spiritually dead and separated from God, but it's God's word that's the power to restore lost people. And it's God's love that breathes life into lost people. Do you believe this? Is there somebody you know in your neighborhood or somebody you know at work that you say, oh, Pastor Don, not that person. They're awful. Oh, they're heathens. Yes, all of them are gloriously heathen. <laughs> they're dead. Spiritually, they're dead. That's why it's wonderful when lost people get saved. Because God brings new life where there was no life. I've got a guy at our church who tells his testimony. He was a drug addict, strung out on drugs, and he was in his truck outside smoking pot one day. But he'd heard about Jesus. And it was there that God spoke to him. And while smoking pot in his truck outside of his house, he surrendered his life to God. And God gloriously saved him. He's all tatted up from the earlobes all the way down. He's got Latin king, you name it. He's got it. But he's new. Everybody say new. Oh, we've got a couple came to our church. And, and here's what I love about people that believe what I'm telling you about God's word and God's love. It changes people's lives. I had a guy and his wife show up not long after we came. Started coming to Oakwood. They were from a Catholic background. That's all they knew. Matter of fact, the first time they were there, it was communion. We served communion. They were sitting in the back. We passed out the bread. I do it the way Pastor Spencer did. I thought everybody does it that way. We pass out the bread. Everybody gets the bread. When everybody's got the bread and the bread comes back, I say, do this in remembrance of me. We all eat. They didn't know. They didn't know that we did communion. They got there like, hey, they do communion too. So they were sitting in the very back row and the plate came. They took the bread and they ate it. Then they realized nobody else had ate it. And she said, oh, poop. But she didn't say poop. And she said it out loud. Yeah. Oh, they're just so new. <laughs> but God did something in their lives. See, this couple had no idea. You know, how, you know how they came to Oakwood? I'd love to say that a new pastor came and he was amazing. 
But you know what happened is Jay was a professional fisherman, a sport fisherman, bass boats and tournaments all over the place. And, and he, he, every week he'd go and there was another guy that would be there and they became familiar with each other. They'd get in the same boat and, and, and fish. And at some point, Jay would tell me, he said, yeah, we came here because a guy I fish with, uh, uh, he contacted me. He was telling me all about his God and his church, and I thought he was weird. And, and the next thing I know, he emailed me, and he said, you know what? I, I found out what you told me where you live, so I went and I searched for churches. And there's an Oakwood Community Church just down the road from where you live, and I think you ought to check it out. Praise God for fishermen who believe that dry bones can live and here they walk into church, swearing in the back row. The next week they came and said, Pastor, would you pray over us? We're heading to the casino, and if we win a lot of money, we'll give it to the church. <laughs> I'll pray for that. <laughs> but, but, I, I mean, I, I just, I'm telling you, I love my church. I love people that come in. They don't know how to do church. My church doesn't know how to do church. This is all new stuff. And, and, and I see dry bones come alive in one of those 20-year-olds, three weeks ago, was their son, heroin overdose, and he died. And Jay and Marie come to Julie and I, and they said, you know, I think, I think God sent us here. I think God sent us here to have Christ in our lives and to get connected to a small group. And, and, and find out that there's life and support because he knew that Colton wasn't going to make it. And we needed something. I don't, she said, we don't know how he would have survived the death of our son, but we were surrounded by life. On the day that Colton died, a small group from my church walked into the funeral home and wrote a check to cover the whole funeral. God uses his word and his love to bring life, which brings us to the last point today. Not only is God bringing life to Israel after they miserably disobeyed, but God brings life to lost people even when they're wandering in sin. But God brings the dry bones of his church back to life. See, the church is equally disadvantaged. Pastor Church told us that in the first service. We're all sinners. For all have sinned, and all means all. That's all all means. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we're a bunch of dry bones, too, that God brought life to and breathed life to. But there's a beautiful image of the church coming to life. I love the scattered bones analogy because you're all part of the body of Christ. And being a part of the body of Christ, the structure is when we come together if you don't know the New Testament, read the New Testament. You can't get away from the body of Christ. Everybody say the body of Christ. See, the body of Christ is the toe bone connected to the foot bone. And the foot bone's connected to the ankle bone. And you can't just be a bone on your own. See, the body of Christ has to come together because the word of God goes and draws us together. We can't stay scattered and separate and alone. It's all about unity. Together, the skeleton provides structure. We, we complete each other. Do you know that? We complete each other. I think there's something in the Bible that says the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. 
You see how in the New Testament we get this imagery of those bones coming together for a structure that has power. See, there's strength when we have the structure. And that structure is only structure when it's unity. we got to come together. If we need the dry bones in Battle Creek to know that God's word and God's love is real, then the dry bones of the church have to be together, unified with structure and power. God does that. Just remind you, Joshua and the battle of Jericho. What did God make them do? He made them walk around the city together. Everybody say together. Together. See, the power was in the togetherness. God said, Joshua, take all the people. Now, Judy loves this because the choir went first. Amen. The choir went first. But then everybody went, the soldiers, the moms, the dads, the children, they all walked around each day. They walked around one time together. Everybody say together. And then they walked around the next day together. Everybody say together. They walked around for days together. And then on the last day, they had to walk around seven times together. Everybody say together. You think God's making a point, people? When his people come together, there's structure and there's power because of God. And on the last day, they walked around together seven times. And what did they do at the end? They shouted together. Everybody say together. There's power. The voice of victory is in unity. And the church, this church, is the most powerful when we're together. Oh, dry bones. Walk around them dry bones. And I hear the word of the Lord. Jesus showed that he brings death to hopeless, or he brings life to death. He brings hope to hopeless situations. Remember when he went to the grave? Remember when he showed up and the sisters are mad because Lazarus died? What did Jesus do? He said, don't you know that I'm the resurrection and the life? He said, he'll live again. They got the theological answer, right? Yes, we know on the last day he'll rise again. He says, rise again. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And then to prove his point, he turned to the grave And he had to say, Lazarus, come out. Because if he hadn't said, if he had just said, come out, there would have been an army, dead men walking. Because he had the power to raise death to life. But Jesus says, Lazarus, and only Lazarus, come out. He showed that he has, he is the resurrection and the life. Do we believe that, Calvary? Jesus is the power to bring life where there seems to be no life. And lastly, the illustration is of communion. Why do we do the communion? Why do we gather and do in remembrance of me? Think back to that moment when Jesus met that last supper. It's an amazing thing. The physical body of Christ spoke to the mystical body of Christ about the memorial body of Christ. Have you ever thought about that at communion? Think about the Last Supper. The physical body of Jesus spoke to the mystical body of Jesus about the memorial body of Jesus. And he said to them, do this in remembrance of me. And how do we do that? We do it when we come together. See, there's an important part that Jesus wants us to know. There's life for the church in its unity. So we must come together. Don't be having communion via satellite. Don't be having communion via Facebook. We've got two live services, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. 
And some people stay home and just watch it. I tell them, you got to double tithe if you're staying home. If you're watching it in your pajamas and not coming, you got to pay double tithe. But we're not sending communion home so they can have communion in their own room without the church. No, we come together. You know, if I can't sing dry bones, I'll sing what Jesus would have sang. He, the, the physical body of Christ told the mystical body of Christ about the memorial body of Christ. And he told them, come together right now over me. Now, my church would have got that. They would have got that one. It's all about unity. It's all about unity. Do you believe that? See, the question he asked Ezekiel, can dry bones live? Ezekiel didn't know what to say. He said, only you know. He does know. Dry bones can live. Israel, God's people, lost people can come to new life. The church, a bunch of bones, can come together with structure and have power through unity.